John is going to read just a minute from uh, the book of Joel, uh, which is in the Old Testament. Uh, a few verses. I'm just going to say a prayer before she does that. Uh, God, thank you that you speak through your word, through the Bible. We pray that as we hear it read today, that you would excite our hearts and that you would speak um, what you want to say in revealing your son Jesus to us. Amen. So this is Joel chapter 2. Um, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and blackness. Like dawn spreading across the mountains. A large and mighty army comes. Such as never was of old. Nor ever will be in ages to come. Even now, declares the Lord. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows, he may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, Gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the temple porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? I wonder if you've ever asked yourself the question, where is God? Why isn't he closer? Why isn't he nearer? Why isn't he more obvious? Maybe if you've asked that question when you've been watching the news, you've been seeing a tragedy that's happening in the world. Where is God? Maybe you've asked it yourself when you've been diligently praying and reading the Bible for weeks on end. And felt nothing. When you're facing a difficulty in your life that seems insurmountable, when you're facing problems that seem to overwhelm you, where are you, God? What are you doing? Maybe you haven't asked it because you're just overwhelmed by the busyness of life, wrapped up in one thing after another, rushing from place to place, from thing you've got to do to other thing you've got to do. And you pause for a moment. You ask yourself, where is God? in the midst of all this. Maybe like me, you sometimes feel that in our society where we are given so much, where we have so much, I don't know if you've ever reflected on the fact that we are one of the few societies in the history of the world that don't really know what it is to want and need. Or if we lived a few hundred years ago, our regular occurrence might have been going hungry, not sure where the next meal was going to come from. Indeed, if we lived in many places in the world today, we might feel like that. We're so full, we seem to have all that we need, and yet maybe our hearts are starving because we're asking, where is God in the middle of everything? But if you're asking that question, where is God, then I wonder what you think the answer's going to be. What do you think it's going to look like if God comes? If you think God's far away, what do you think it's going to be like when he comes near? We just heard a reading from the book of Joel, 
Joel was a prophet um, a few hundred years before Jesus, and he was a prophet to the people of Israel. And the people of Israel were in trouble because on every side they were oppressed by different nations. And they asked the question, where is God? And when's he going to show up and sort these nations out so that we'll be all right? And they called it the day of the Lord. They said, when is the day of the Lord coming? And the prophet Joel and other prophets too bring a warning. They say, don't think you can presume to know what it's going to look like when God shows up. Because it might look different from what you imagined. And the prophet Joel is actually saying the day of the Lord is coming. And it's not good news for you. You think that the day of the Lord is coming to sort those people out there out. But the day of the Lord is coming and it's going to challenge you. And it's going to shake you because you've become complacent. Because actually you think you know who I am, but all you've done is put on this outward performance and neglected to look at your heart. Because actually when I ask, where is God? If I'm honest with myself, what I'm really asking is, God, why don't you come and sort out my problems? Why don't you come and make life easier for me? What if God was more interested in sorting out my heart than in sorting out my external problems? And that's not to say that God doesn't care about the trials and the suffering and the difficulties that we face. But what if he was more interested in my heart? What if when it felt like God was far away, he was actually near? But he was doing a work inside me, making me more like Jesus, rather than showing himself in maybe the way that I would recommend he showed himself. Because if I'm telling God when he should come and what he should do, then I'm asking another question. I'm actually asking, who is God? Maybe I'm making myself God, because I'm saying, look, God, I've got these problems here. I've got this difficult day ahead. Why aren't you doing something about it? I'm telling God what he should be doing. I'm giving him advice on his job. So what I'm really saying is, God, I'd do a better job than you at being God. And maybe that's just me, but I don't know if you've ever caught yourself asking something like that. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in that position where you're saying, come on, God, I think you can do a better job than what you're doing at the moment. And so God is saying to the people of Israel, there's a difficult day coming. Because there's a day coming when I'm going to come. And I'm going to expose your hearts for what they really are. But the purpose of this is not to scare them. The purpose of this is not to just make them feel despairing. Because he then says, return to me with all your hearts. With fasting and weeping and mourning, rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. God challenges us about the state of our hearts because he knows the place where we belong. The place where we belong is in his heart. So he comes and he says, will you return to me? And when people wanted to show that they were really sorrowful and really sorry in that time, they would tear their garments apart. 
and they would put ash on their head and they would wear sackcloth, which is rough, rough cloth. But the trouble with that, something that probably started out meaningful was it became just a show. Well, look at me, look how repentant I am, look how sorrowful I am as I tear my clothes and I tell you how much I'm saying sorry to God. And God's saying, I want to do a deeper work because I want your heart. So don't just tear your garments, but tear your heart. See how desperately you need me. And we get through that thing that Joanna read, a few things of what that returning looks like. Talks about fasting, which means giving something up purposefully for the sake of seeking after God better. It talks about doing it with the depths of your being, with your heart. Are you yearning from, for God from deep within? Or are you yearning for God just because that's what you should do on a Sunday? And sometimes when I'm praying, it feels like, what? Do I really mean these words? Or am I just saying this? God, would you come? God, would you do something? Do I really long for him to be present? And it talks about everyone as a community doing this together. Gather all kinds of people. It's saying everyone. It doesn't matter if you just got married. It doesn't matter if you're the priest. It doesn't matter if you're nursing a newborn child. It doesn't matter if you're a child or you're the eldest. Come on, this is important. Let's seek God together. Let's long and desire for him. Not for what we think he should be, but for who he really is. Because if we answer the question, who is God? then we also answer the question, who are we? And we find that we are broken, that we are flawed, that we are humanity, that we are limited. We need God because we can only do so much. And the way, one of the ways, one of the pictures the Bible gives us to imagine this is it says that we are made of dust. At the beginning, God took some dust, it said. And in this story, he crafts the dust into a person and he breathes his life into it. And that was the origins of humanity. And then humanity look at God and they say, we could do a better job ourselves. I think we'd like to go our way. And they wander away from God and God in his compassion and his mercy comes and he seeks them and he longs for them and he finds them. And he says these words to remind them that they need him. He says, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. We are limited. We can only do so much. And the ultimate thing that reminds us of that is death. Death is something we cannot escape from. Death is something that we will all face. And in our society, we've tried to push death to the borders to not think about it too much. We don't want it ruining our fun. And I was reading this week some theology. Uh, I was, I'm studying theology. And this guy was arguing, called Jürgen Moltmann. I was reading from him. And he was arguing that by pushing death to the borders of society, by not having to think about it very much, we're not actually dealing with the problem because we all know it's there. And so the fear of death almost becomes stronger because we try to hide it. And so in fear of death, we think we've got to get as much out of life as possible. And so we live as fast as possible. 
I'm going to read a bit from what he says. If you want to get the most out of life, you have to live fast. The modern world is the accelerated world. We modernize faster and faster. We move about more and more. We rush from one place to another. We have ever more experiences and use up ever more life without any apparent speed limit. Fast food, fast life. And yet, the truth of the matter is that it is only the person who lives slowly who really enters into life. That person can stand still in the moment and experience eternity in it, able to enjoy the happiness and feel the pain. Fear of death constricts, while hope for eternal life opens a wide space for living beyond death and brings serenity into the soul. Nothing will be lost and you are missing nothing. Recognising that we are limited, recognising that we are created of dust, brings us face to face with what God says about us. Because there is a dignity in dust. It is dust that God takes at the beginning and creates humanity. And then, in this incredible twist in the tale, God takes on that broken humanity himself. God becomes dust in the person of Jesus. And as Christians, we want to emphasize that Jesus is God himself. But the truth is two-part with Jesus. He is God himself, but he is also fully man. He shares our broken humanity. God so dignifies our broken humanity that he becomes us. And then Jesus shows us why death is actually good news, because he faces death himself. And out of death comes resurrection life. And the reason it's so liberating to realize our flaws and our limitedness, the reason it's so liberating to realize that we face death is because God has said that through death comes resurrection. And Jesus now sits on the throne of heaven. People, a person sits on the throne of heaven. Dust, broken humanity, our representative now sits on God's throne and speaks a word over you. And this word came, one of the people who were sharing in the time when we met together before the service said this, God speaks over you, that you are enough. You don't need to be someone that you're not. You don't need to try and fill your life with so many great experiences. You are limited. You are weak. You need him, but you are enough. And as we come to this season of Lent, what Christians have done in Lent is they've tried to strip away the things that get in the way of knowing who God is and who we are the things that try and pretend to us that we are God, the things that try and pretend to us that we don't have to face death, the things that stop us coming face to face with God. And today we're kind of looking to that season. And we're gonna, in a moment, we're going to put ashes on our head 
to remind ourselves that we are dust, to remind ourselves that we are limited, and to remind ourselves that God speaks a word over you. It says, out of death comes resurrection. You are enough. And as we enter into that season, I just want to maybe set you a few, give you a few thoughts or set you a few challenges that you might do this Lent. I've just got, maybe you might like to remember how we are dust. Maybe you might like to dwell on death just a little bit longer than is comfortable. Maybe you've lost someone. Maybe it was recently, maybe it was a long time ago. Maybe like you'd, you'd like to take a few moments this Lent to mourn and to remember. Maybe you know someone who is dying. Maybe this Lent you'd like to take a few moments, a few hours, to sit with them, be present with them. Maybe you just like to remember that you are limited, but that God is for you and out of death comes resurrection. Maybe this Lent you'd like at some point to give something up, but deprive yourself of something so it hurts. That's what Christians call fasting. Maybe that's food. Maybe it's using your phone too much. Maybe it's your presence on social media. Deprive yourself of something until it hurts that you might come face to face with God. And maybe lastly, you'd like to find God in an unexpected place. Where is God? He is with you through it all. Take a moment this Lent in the most unexpected of places to pause, to remember that he is present, that he is with you, that he looks on your brokenness, he looks on your flawedness, on your limited humanity. He says, I am for you and I love you and you are enough.